You are now listening to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. We preserve the history and sport of hunting through curious conversation and action-packed hunts, as well as offering you tips and strategy for more successful hunts. The Hunter's Advantage podcast is powered by Out on a Limb Manufacturing. Out on a Limb is a family-owned company based right here in Oklahoma that makes tree stands, saddle platforms, climbing sticks, and so much more. Christian, I have a quick question. What's that? What bites sound harder, a hippo or an alligator? No idea. It's a trick question. The Ridge Runner 2.0 bites harder than both of them. But all jokes aside, we use these products all across the land on public or private. These help us get into any tree we want and hunt where the deer actually are. Most men go to the grocery store for their meat, but these products help you go to God's grocery store. I have used the Out on a Limb Ridge Runner 2.0 and the Shakar Sticks for the last few years hunting public land bucks, and I've actually shot several bucks out of this setup. If you want to support the podcast and get some Out on a Limb equipment, make sure to go to outonalimmfg.com and use code HNTA10 for 10% off at checkout. Once again, if you want to support the podcast, Go to outonalimmfg.com and use code HNTA10 at checkout for 10% off. Now let's get back to the podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Hunter's Vintage Podcast. This is episode 187. I'm here with uh, Christian Dwayne Babcock and Peyton Cole Carroll. What's up, everybody? How are you guys? (laughs) Is that actually your middle name, Carroll? Magician never reveals his secrets, Jake. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> no, that Big Daddy Peyton, Big Daddy Carol. I thought his middle name was Robbery Victim after this last this last couple of days. Isn't that it, Wait, Carol? What? I didn't tell Dave. <laughs> <laughs> what this happened? Is perfect, and this is a perfect reaction. Then, oh, Dave Junior, you got a I got a story <laughs> for you. Um, we came back home, or I was hanging out in Venita, and I got a call from Hunter at like noon or one o'clock somewhere around there and he's like breathing real hard and i'm like dude you're on Hunter's a room stair stepper yeah listening. yeah and i was like man you on a stair stepper what's going on and he was like we uh we've been robbed i was like what he's like we've been robbed it's like are the deer mounts still in the house <laughs> for for <Friday. laughs> yeah uh you went in yeah everything in your room looks like it's okay i was like nah did they take the guns he was like yeah, they they got your guns, and I was like, okay. They walked past some other stuff, some stuff that's worth a lot more than those. Specify. Um, uh, well, I don't want to tell everybody what's in my house at this point. Well, it's already too late. They already know what's in your house. I've got I've got jewelry, <laughs> and I've got like my bow and my camera stuff, and they end up taking my Sitka bag. Did they take your all- crossbow? <laughs> did they get um, your gold nipple rings <laughs> <laughs> yeah man they got all that good stuff that's actually in the box behind me um but that doesn't come out of the closet too often only when the when the he's a big boy but anyways <laughs> <laughs> but yeah they they're i mean i hate to say it but they're crappy robbers i mean they stole hunter's xbox thank you jesus we don't have to play with him for a little while they only did us a favor for that um but yeah they stole they got they got us pretty good, but they didn't do as good as they could have. But you never know if there's going to be a round two or not. But so they took they took your hunting bag. There won't be a round two, and they didn't take your camera, right? Uh, yeah. So my camera was in another bag 
<clears throat> they they opened my school backpack up because I have my camera and stuff, you know, like for uh, total archery challenge and stuff. I don't take my my sickest stuff. I always just take generic stuff. So my camera was in my school bag. Um, I don't know what else is in there. They actually opened up the can. It's a camcorder, so they opened up, you know, the side, uh, the little recording lens, and then they opened up the SD slot. Didn't take the SD. Didn't take the camera. They put it all back on the bed, and they threw clothes on the bed, but. They didn't fold them or make the bed while they were in here. So <laughs> I figure, you know, you, if you have actually got robbed. Yeah, no, I swear they kicked down the whole. They kicked down the door door seam in the back door. So I knew I you know. shouldn't have mowed. They would have jumped that fence and they'd have said, Mm-mm, "Not this one." <laughs> yeah, no, they. Uh... That is wild. So does he not have like a ring doorbell or anything back there where where it's able to see? No, but come come tomorrow and or sometime this week we'll have cameras and lights and all that back there that they did it in the middle of the day they did it between 7 a.m and and 2 p.m so wow they had to be pretty confident they had to be pretty confident they brought a sledgehammer and just knocked the door down where were you then oh i was in benita so it was over the weekend yeah it was yesterday yesterday between 7 a.m and 2 p.m so so what's your schedule wow. for the next couple of weeks? Asking for a friend. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Let's just say they are listeners. Don't show up when I'm here. Yeah, you're going to get Why? You don't have crushed. any more guns. Yeah, sure. I'm all out of guns. <laughs> I got them all. <laughs> you sh- Carol, you should have reported all your guns stolen right there. That was your chance. They got 48 guns, dude. I don't know where any of them are. The cop, uh, when we were on the phone with the cop, he was like, man, I'm sorry. They got all your guns. I was like, <laughs> yeah, they got them all. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Girl, you're now on the blacklist for admitting that. Thank you. Yeah. They're all mine. So well, not all of them. Two of them aren't anymore, but it's all right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I figured you'd enjoy that one, Jake. It's a nice little, uh, nice little. Was it your, uh, was it your shotgun for Goose season, geese season, no, whatever that, you want to call shot, it. That shotgun won't. That that shotgun doesn't leave uh, the safe there in Venita. Mm. But yeah, that would have been a total different story. I wouldn't have been a good sport if that was the case. I would have. Taken I, I would be a good sport like, anyway. Find them. That's. I mean, that's there's ridiculous. Just no, that's low lives. I mean, that I just I can't stand that stuff, dude. Yeah, thankfully no one was home because I was telling you know my roommate was like somebody dies like it's me or them but some. Someone dies in this house if somebody was home. Is that ever been like take everything, take everything, leave me alone? (laughs) He's got, he's got, he's got a camera in here. Take it with (laughs) you. Let me help you fill the bag. (laughs) No, he wouldn't. But yeah, it's 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 terrifying. It's like, well, good old Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah, Biden twenty twenty four. Yeah, well, hey man, at least you're not going to spend much time in the house. It's almost deer seasons. You'll be gone. All the time, so that way when they come back, you'll be good. Um, did you have a no trespassing sign outside? No. Did oh, you call? See, did you try calling a social worker? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no. you probably got a doormat that says "Welcome," and that's all they were doing. They're just welcoming. Them. Actually, it says "Live, Love, Laugh," so it's different. Uh, well, they laughed. They didn't love three. <laughs> they had to they be kids. What they had to be kids or just people that were wanting guns because man, they they could have they could have hit harder. But like I said, well, who knows? Enough to meet Jesus. Back, that's but, all I'm saying. Yeah. Yep. So we'll see. Well, alrighty. Well, let's let's move into a less uh, sad topic. Um, 
So we're in public, or we're in week three of our public land, uh, how to hunt bucks on public land. Uh, this is episode three today. We're going to be talking about hang and hunt uh, experiences on public land, kind of the things that we think about. Maybe we'll tell some hunt stories, do all that sort of stuff, which hang and hunt is the majority of the stuff we do, especially on public land. But I had a question before we get started. When's for you, Jake and Peyton, when's the first time you can remember hang and hunt hunting? on public land or it can be in a climber. It can be in a saddle. Obviously when it's oh. your first one, it can be in a whenever, but when was the first time you ever hang and hunt on public land? That was, I about said the name, but that was in Oklahoma with Richie and Jesse. It was when we survived off, I think two Ritz crackers and a hot dog for like three or four days. And what year do you think that was? Oh shoot. I don't know. It, it, it was before I could drive. I know that. Cause I remember my mom, dropped me off at their house. It was during muzzleloader season. So, and I took my brother's muzzleloader cause I didn't have a muzzleloader and it didn't even have a scope on it yet. So I was open sight in that sucker. So, so before you could drive, that's probably 2013. Or yeah, I was earlier. probably 14. I think probably I would say. Okay. So we're talking 11, 12 years ago. Peyton, what about you? And it's the first time you ever hang and hunted on public land. I mean, when I, the first time that I went with y'all was, pretty much my very first hunt it was kind of walk back there and like, okay, well. did you not ever go with newly before then we kind of did a little more scouting we went in a few days and did a little more scouting and kind of had an idea yeah that was a horrendous hunt that was <laughs> that was mine was actually hunt. pretty good well i didn't know anything about it but uh richie just obviously set me up in the tree he uh down there you can literally drive to your tree yeah it was it was probably 400 yards off these one these uh, little side roads and it was off a clear cut. And he, he said there was a good one running around there somewhere. Cause I think they ran a camera there and then they were hunting together, probably quarter mile toward like to my left. And, uh, I, uh, th- I didn't have a stand or anything. And, uh, so he let me use one of his old climbers long story short. I still have that climber. Uh, but, and I, that was my first experience using a climber as well and he was like he hooked on the tree for me he's like all right here you go i was like i don't know how to use this thing and he was like well (laughs) put your feet here and of course it's it it doesn't have like good boot straps it had a bungee cord wrapped around the bottom two times and you had to fit your boots in between and so like every single time you like shimmied it would like move a little bit i'm like i'm about to lose these things and of course it doesn't have a rope attaching it to the top so it's like if this thing slips off my boot it's falling all the way down this pine tree and uh or at least that's the way it felt my first go so i got about i don't know probably eight yards up the tree and i was like this is good and did you uh, really yeah yeah eight yards I, or eight feet big difference oh nice. no no no. one feet eight feet eight feet I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah eight feet i was like uh your first time was a lot different than mine because i had no. the same thing of my first climber experience was the bungee cords and yeah i got like maybe 10 foot maybe and yeah, i was like this this good enough but it did uh i did end up seeing deer though it was an evening sit for the first one and no it was a morning sit whatever it was it was evening when i when i uh seen my first public land deer though because i heard them before i could see them and it was just getting like like that super dim light where everything just kind of looked like figures and i seen a doe walk out and i didn't have a doe tag at the time and then uh, I was like, well, maybe a buck's, you know, going to be behind her. And about that time I heard, Burr. very first time I ever heard a grunt in my life was, was uh, that trip. And I heard, Burr. 
burp, 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 just kept kept doing that over and over. And I was like, oh my God. And I think if I'd have had a scope, I would have been like, I would have been able to like at least shoot at something because obviously I couldn't really tell what it was, but I knew it was a deer because it was grunting. And uh, but since it was open sight and my eyes, y'all know my eyes aren't the best. Imagine me with no glasses and dim light. Yeah, that ain't a good scenario. So I didn't have a scope. And so I was like, I'm not, I'm just not going to shoot. We'll be back here tomorrow morning. Well, that thing stays there for about 30 minutes past dark. And this is my first time in a climber. So Richie gets a side by side and I'm supposed to meet, meet him at the road up there. And, uh, I don't come. So they think I like fell out of the tree or something and they drive all the way to my stand. And when they do, they shine, you know, towards my tree. And of course there's a freaking big old buck. And at the time, I, I don't really remember the rack or anything like that, but Richie said it was like 130, 140 inch buck. And I was like, okay. And then you realize that you have been hunting wrong your whole life, not hunting down there. Yes. Th- that's a good time to start hunting. Like the muzzleloader season is awesome. Late October, get a good cold front. Like that's a, that's a good time to start hunting public. I, I started similar to that in the, the mountains and the clear cut stuff uh, with Justin. I think the first time I ever went down there, I was like 13. Cause I remember asking him to take me when I was like 11 or 12. And he's like, no, I'm not taking you like with a bunch of freaking adults when you're 11 years old, you know, you don't want to be that guy. You'll bring your family, but not the, not the 10 year old. So yeah, I think it brought me when I was 13, which would have been 2010 or something like that. And that's a, I went down there and did a similar thing. I've told a story on the podcast before about how I shot a doe in a clear cut and then went, went and tried to track it again and got lost and ended up walking like two, three miles back to camp. That's on one of the previous episodes, but that was the, that was the exact same way that, uh, that I started. So I wanted to talk about the fir- those first few times what went wrong the first few times and it doesn't have to be in the first in the first year because maybe you didn't hunt a lot in the first year but what went wrong the first couple times that you hang and hunted on public land trying to reminisce besides you not having a scope on your muzzle litter man it i don't want people to take this the wrong way where where it's like oh you need to humble yourself but i like and this is this might be why i like you know, hunting down there on public land as much as I do, because literally my first few experiences down, like hunting public land have been great experiences where I either got a shot at deer or I seen good deer because the only other time, like I can remember is like going down there with, with, uh, with you, Jordan and Justin, those first couple times. I don't think I seen anything, but then we went back. Like, I don't know if it was the same year or the, the following year with you, Jared Hayes and I, yeah, that would have been and, 2017 with me you and Jared. Okay. So that was, yeah. Okay. Well, when did we go with Justin? Was that the year before? It would have been 16. It would have been the year we got after high school out of high that school. That is true because I remember we went down there and then that was, we went down there Friday Saturday came back Sunday morning and then I went behind my mom's house that Sunday evening, literally the day we got back. And that, that's when I shot that, that, uh, that one behind Dustin's. Yeah. The buddy at 2016. Yep. Yeah, that's right. But what I was, I guess where I was going with that is like, uh, I don't really remember much from, Oh yeah, I do. 
so the first couple of times we went down there with Jordan and Justin, uh, obviously at the time we didn't know what we were doing. So we were just bumming off Justin, obviously. And so when we went down there, uh, trying to do it with, uh, old nameless steep Creek North side, you know, you know where I'm talking about. I do. Yes. Okay. Hellacious walk. Uh, we sat down there at the Diablo spot and that, that time I sat in that tree that had the Diablo picture because I remember it was the evening sit and a Fox ran out. And then 30 minutes later, Diablo came out, but obviously I wasn't there because it was past shooting light. And so we were already down. I seen the Fox, but I didn't see Diablo because we went back to camp. Then we, then we drove back out there, just go get the SD card, just to check it. Cause mm-hmm. we didn't know if we're going to hunt there again or not. And, uh, so that was that. And that got me excited too. Cause I was like, I was 30 minutes away from missing a good buck because obviously, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't hit it. And then the following year, that's when Jared shot that wide one. And then I shot that, that other one on that other road. And then, I mean, so like leading up my years hunting public land, I've been like super blessed and like, whether that be almost encounters or actual shot opportunities where it's like, you know, that kind of got me hooked. Well, early. you had people putting you in the chips too, like exactly. Richie putting you in the chips and then me bumming off Justin and then you. Yeah, no, off. by no means am I saying it was from my own doing because it wasn't. I didn't. I Everybody really has have, somebody that helps them in the beginning. It, it, I mean, and if you have a deer camp or not. What about you, Carol? What are some stuff that went wrong at, at first? I mean, the very first public land hunt, you know, when we when we all went together, I got a shot opportunity. And of course, I blew that. Um, thankfully, it wasn't a giant deer. Thank God. Uh, Don't be talking down on that deer. That he, he was a good somebody's one. house, Carol. <laughs> yeah, he, he was a good one, but he's not, you know, he wasn't like a giant, like one that I lost sleep over. So. Yeah, you're doing but, nothing to Carol, Jake. <laughs> I know. He's like, ah, it's whatever. And I'm like, well, it's hanging After there, seeing him dead, I would prefer not to hit him. <laughs> wow. when i When I found out how far back there we really were, I was like, why did you shoot this thing after we got out? But. Because it's fun. It is. I'm glad, I'm glad that you did. But I think uh, what really went wrong is I can't say that I've seen a lot of good deer on public land. You know, I've only seen probably two that were good, you know, last year in Kansas. And then last year I had, you know, about the hundred, he was close to 120 um, where we normally hunt in, in Oklahoma. But I think the biggest flaw that I have and I've realized is I'm too attached to that on X, I'm too attached to the phone. What about it are you attached to? Just looking at, oh, this looks like a, a draw. Oh, this looks like a, a ridge. This looks, you know, this this looks good to me. And then I go hunt it. I'm like, what the heck? But I'm not a deer. This might not look good to a deer. You know, I always, I've always hunted on a tree line or a draw or a ridge or something. And it's like, hey, they might not like that there. They might not prefer that. They might not prefer rocky. They might not prefer the hilly. You know, they and other places they might. So I think on X is really, it helps me kind of pick an area, but I think that I was too attached, um, to that area because of, because of on X instead of just walking in there. And the first time that I ever just said, okay, no on X I'm walking until I find sign. Uh, this is, this is where I'm going in Kansas. This is where I'm going. I'll be in this this part of public, but I'm walking this line. Cause this is my wind. You know, this is the only thing that's not going to hurt me for a wind. I'm walking this line until I find something that I'm like, okay, this looks good to my eye, not on the phone, but this looks good to my eye. And I went one for one. 
when I did that. So that was the last time I went on. So I'll do that more often probably. That speaks a lot to the episode that just that came out. As people are listening to this, this episode's gonna have already came out, but we had a I titled a, a podcast episode that Jake and I did last week. Um I it's kind of an interesting name, but I think it's true. Um, it says why e-scouting doesn't kill bucks. And yeah, is that kind of clickbaity? A little bit, but just like you said, you can look at the map to death, dude. And you can walk in and be, and if you don't, if there's not sign there, but you think the deer should be there, you can sit there for two years and not see a deer, but you're like, but the e-scouting bro, it looks amazing in here. You know, look at this, this, and this. Um, I just thought, I thought that was interesting. It drives me crazy. Cause I get so stressed. You guys know how I get, I get so stressed of where am I going to hunt? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I'm so attached to that. And the one time that I didn't now, given, I know, you know, Hey, there's only so many ridges. There's so many people here. There's only so many ridges, but in my head, I'm like, okay, where's this deer at? You know, we know there's deer. We have pictures. The deer has to be around here somewhere. He's got to be around here somewhere. Where can he be? Oh, he's got to be right here. Well, it doesn't work like that on public because they can bed anywhere, the whole anywhere. So the deer doesn't have to walk down that ridge. Maybe back at home, you know, maybe back on private land, he does. He does have to walk down that ridge, but on public, he doesn't have to. They don't have a pattern. There is no pattern. You're talking about specifically for the place that we hunt. Yeah. Yes, the topography. Kansas is different because Kansas – I think we touched on this last week too. Like uh, the way you e-scout is completely different in like ag country versus like, uh, yeah, like, like more wooded areas where, where, because like in Kansas and stuff, obviously timber is like the, the limited factor in there because it's mainly ag, ag fields. And then you have just those slight strips of timber that, you know, the deer's probably going to be in, especially when they like harvest the beans or whatever else they 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 plant that year so you know where the deer is going to be it's easier to e-scout ag country rather than big timber kind of where we hunt you know where everything looks good so uh but christian has a uh has a good saying on that too though like where where things look good to you but not so much the deer oh what do i say i forget oh shoot you're putting me on uh it's like I think it's long story short. It's that where it's pretty much verbatim, verbatim that yeah. when you said that I was like, I think that is the saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You, you got to hunt where the deer are, not where you want to. Exactly. Yeah. That's, I mean, that is exactly it though, because I've hunted so many places um, where I sit here and I'm like, Ooh, money baby. And I never see it. Yeah, but looks I'm like, like I got to keep trying it. I got to keep trying it. And then I tried it like three times and I'm like, why? And then I walk in one thick, heavy spot next to a bedding area that I'm like, this doesn't look like crap. Like I can't see very far. This sucks. And then like four run by and I'm like, oh, okay. For me, oh. it's shooting lanes. Cause like I'll, I'll get in a spot and I'm like, man, you know, there's good sign here. This is a place I need to be. But then I like try to pick a tree down where we hunt. It's really not that big of an issue because it's mainly pines. And it's like, so you don't have those low hanging branches good and stuff. So, so it usually works. But like when we hunted in Kansas, I like, that's kind of where I, like hung my hat is those trees, even if they weren't like in the spot I really wanted to be. Yeah. But I can shoot 40 yards this way. And then I can shoot 30 yards this way. You know, you just have more shooting lanes, but kind of like what you were saying, when you're, it feels like when you're really in the chips, it's when like you almost want to have to sit on the ground. You know what I mean? You it's when, when it's perfect for the deer, it's almost like it's not perfect for you. It's like, I got one shot. Yeah. And I mean, we'll talk about this in the next episode. The, buck in kansas that i shot from behind a rock 
but that's a that was a good example of that. I did want to go back and talk about uh, what went wrong for for me at first because I did want to tell a little bit of a story of like how we even got to hunting public land because I think that's important. Uh, we grew up hunting uh, in Northeast Oklahoma, which is sucks. Don't come here. It's more cattle country. To be, <laughs> to, be to be fair with you, it's not huge yeah. on ag. Like ag is kind of a minority stake in that area. That there's just not a ton of it. Like, um, but. We hunted pretty small parcels growing up. I mean, I think some of the bigger ones that I hunted were maybe a couple hundred acres, but you got to realize that huntable acres and that couple hundred acres of pasture is, is a couple, like literally like Mm -hmm. there's a, a few acres of trees and then 40 acre pieces like my grandparents own. And, you know, there's similar situations to each of us that we kind of did that sort of stuff. But I started hunting public land and you guys probably did too, because I won't, literally the public was so much better than where we were hunting that I was like, I'm doing myself a disservice to not try. Cause I always watched my, there was less go, pressure. Oh, there's less pressure on public. Yeah. Than, yeah. than the private that we hunted. Um, I watched my uncle always go down to, uh, the mountains and, you know, he would shoot bucks that I would just not even ever imagine seeing. He, like, I remember Andy Hirschman, who's one of Justin's buddies, shot a mid one fifties on public with a muzzleloader and he showed it to me as a mainframe 10, but it had like crab d- dual sets of crab claws on the end of the beam. So it was a 14 and he showed me that. And I was just like, dude, that's a mountain monster. I've never seen a deer like that in my life. And I begged him to go to deer camp for years, but still he finally took me. But that's, that's kind of how we got in that situation. At least me and Jake Peyton got into it maybe a little bit, uh, a little bit later, but that's how, that's how we got into it. It was like wanting to shoot bigger deer, uh, and out of necessity because you typically like for me, I don't have a single place to hunt in Craig County anymore. It's just not there anymore. If you lose places, things shift around, but that's how we got into it. And I would think about what went wrong at first. I, Justin, I piggybacked off him so hard when I started Everybody did. so hard when I started, uh, I would just, where he would hunt, I would hunt 300 yards down from him. Wouldn't consider the wind at all. Um, I think inexperience just plagued me when I first started. Like the first time I ever went out uh, on that trip with him, we were hunting like opener of archery and it was still pretty hot. And he put me on the edge of a clear cut where we saw some sign kind of go into the woods. Doe came out, shot her in front of the shoulder and the neck was probably shooting 45 pounds and a 350 grain arrow went in like 12 inches or less tracked that deer, never found it. Just stuff like that. I had absolutely no, a pit. I had no idea like of sign or Tell your most famous story. Which one? The one on the head. Yeah. Where the deer had a headache. I've told that story so many times. I hate telling Say it that. again. We have new listeners. It's funny. <laughs> well, and this when is, was that, that was your first book you ever shot at public too. Was it true? Not? Yeah, that's true. What, when was that? 20, that was probably 20, 2015, maybe probably. 2015. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, well, that was my, yeah, it was my first shot buck I ever shot. It was also my first success on public land during that hunt. So I went down and we were hunting with Justin and similar to what I was just saying, we were literally, I was piggybacking off of him, like I per usual. And was he hunting down there too? Yeah, he was that, hunting down by the same day. Really? Yeah. Uh, and the evening before, I didn't know that you could shoot multiple does in one sit. I just assumed that you could only shoot one. And I shot one and I was like, awesome. And I hit it, you know, probably just, a, just a tad back, but it was a smaller doe and it ran, it ran 10 yards and fell over. And I was like, sweet. 
Another one comes in, three more come in at like 10 yards and I'm hunting probably 25 feet up and I shoot one right behind the shoulder and it's angle and it comes out the brisket and she runs like 80 yards and piles up. I didn't even get in her cavity, by the way. It literally just, it was trauma that killed her. It was weird. The shot angle was weird. She runs over and fought piles up a third set of does walk in and I'm like, because I, I had texted you, Peyton, to ask you for the regulations, right, before I shot the second one? Yeah, I was like, dude, you can shoot all your dough in one set, I think. I, I was like, I'm fairly certain you can shoot all your dough. I didn't have internet, but I had enough to text. Bow. Yeah. <laughs> Every I had enough to text. in one day, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so I texted Peyton, and he's like, yeah, you, you can shoot all four. And I was like, okay, cool. And I told Justin, deer down. He's like, sweet. I said, another deer down. He's like, sweet. <laughs> and, and then I was like, here comes more. Can I shoot one? He's like, stop effing shooting he's like, he's like we got a long drag out of here and so, it is i don't think yeah. people will understand that no it's like a it's probably a 30 degree slid the whole way down to that spot but i shot those ones and we drug those out i went back the next day even after having four people in there dragging the deer out and stuff and the biggest buck i'd ever seen in my life i had seen a 150 inch buck before but it was with my dad and my dad at shot 14? at it yeah, it had been when I was like 10 or 11 and I wasn't even big enough to stand over the hay bale and my dad put his gun over the and shot the hair off its back. This was at Oh, that's Yeah. No, it was at uh, Nick Sutton's place. Yeah, it was a completely different spot where you spilled to hunt. But I had seen a big deer before but nothing like when I was hunting or could shoot and about 140 inch 8. And I know, 140 inch 8, but it's a big that's a huge Ain't no way, bro. Yeah, ain't no way, bro. It was a huge, it was a monster. I've been using the new Exodus Rival cell camera for the last couple months, and I have found a beautiful mainframe eight point with tons of stickers to go after this fall. Ooh. One thing I do appreciate about Exodus trail cameras is all of the cameras share the same data plans. So you only pay for what you need. A lot of cell cam companies charge you for HD pictures. I've seen prices of $5 for 50 HD pics. Exodus is going to give you unlimited HD pictures right to your phone which is awesome when you're sitting there in the middle of the summer and it's 100 degrees and you just want to binge a bunch of trail cam photos. If you're looking for a solid cell camera with great performance and a five-year no BS warranty, go check them out. So as we all know, hunting gear is something people can make way too complicated. Arrows can be the exact same way. Instead of going down all those rabbit holes, trying to sift through the endless information that's online and you're not really sure if it's right or wrong, Exodus makes it simple to get the right arrow for your exact setup. So go online to the Exodus Arrow Builder. It takes less than a minute. You're gonna enter your draw weight, your draw length, and how heavy of a point you're shooting. And it's gonna be that simple. Let the guys at Exodus take care of the rest. So if you're interested in Exodus Rival cell cameras or a new set of their MMT arrows, just go to exodusoutdoorgear.com and use code HA15 for 15% off anything on the website once again that is exodusoutdoorgear.com use code ha15 at checkout for 15 percent off now let's get back to the podcast i watched it for probably 30 minutes i even took a picture of it while i was sitting out there at 80 yards and i sent it to justin and i was like is this the big wave on camera and he said yeah where is it and i was like fixing to walk by my stand and it worked its way by me at like 45 or like for 45 minutes and it got down to 20 yards finally stepped into this dry creek and I had, I was so inexperienced. Like that was by the grace of God that I killed those does. I had not shot a whole lot of deer with my bow, maybe a few, five, four or five or something. And I got in full draw. And I remember getting in full draw and just being like, dude, I won. I can't believe it. I can't believe I got in full draw. And 
I'm like, this thing's dead. And I pulled and I got in my peep and I looked at the deer and he, he was, his head was down eating and I shot and I pulled it and it was going to go right in front of his brisket, like literally just sail and miss. It's going to be a clean miss, but he had it. Like I said, he had his head down. So he kind of did a core half turn just enough to see. I was not shooting a fast bow either. Just enough to see meet that arrow and it hit him straight in the forehead and just rocked him. Like sounded like a Louisville slugger. And he stayed, he stuttered backwards and I was like, Oh my God, what the heck? I thought I was just drop him and kill him. It didn't. He ran like 30 yards and the arrow fell out. <laughs> Never found him. Uh, Terrible well, story. That was your, uh, that was your, Oh, what do we call that? That was like your hazing. My dues. Yeah. Yeah. That was you paying your dues. Cause it seems like down there, everybody starting out that I know of, and I'm sure, I heck, I'm sure it's even happened to Justin. I know it's happened to Jordan, of where you have to either completely miss or wound a deer or you know the big buck before you end up getting one down. And I, I honestly think that's just a common theme. Like the it seems like the ground. Yeah, he uh, he definitely is a uh, he likes owing people instead of the people owing him. If that makes sense. Yeah, and it's not a. It's not like you're taking a group of people down there that never shot a bow before. It just seems like it works out that way. Like the mountain has kept some score. It's hard to. Okay, Carol, your 11 pointer was yours keeping score. That, that was your icebreaker. <laughs> that was a miracle. That that deer turned and ran before my arrow even got there. And I was like, we ain't finding her. Him. We ain't finding <laughs> him. Her. Turned out to be him. You lost that that skull cap, didn't you? Yeah, I well, I put it out uh, in the yard to bury it to see uh, see the bacteria and stuff lead it, and then either a cat, coon, or possum. Robbers get that thing know. too, huh? Yeah, robbers got it as well. So. <laughs> Man, uh, so uh, what I want to talk about next is there's a few interesting decisions that you have to make when you're hanging hunting on public land. Like you get out of the truck, you got your stand on your back or your saddle platform on your back. And you're walking in. If you don't have a tree picked out, which a lot of the times we don't, you like to have a tree picked out, Jake, but a lot of times we don't because it's, I love it. we don't spend as much time, you know, looking for that specific tree because it's obviously going to change in the fall. But when you're walking in, how do you know what gives you the confidence to say, I'm in the chips or I'm not in the chips? And what is something that makes you stop and immediately get in a tree? Which one do you want to go first? Carol, go first. Carol? It's it's just an internal thing. I don't know how to describe of like how I look at it is am I willing to sacrifice a morning here or an evening here? Like you're you're only limited on hunts. You know, we have jobs, we have other stuff we gotta do, we gotta get back to. We're limited on time of is this good enough to use a sit on? And if I say yes, I'll always give it a shot because I haven't figured out what spot makes another spot better yet. I mean, I'm still new, you know, I've only hunted public land for this will be like what year three, three or four. Yeah. Three or four. So yeah, I, I don't have that chip on my shoulder yet to say, Oh, this is, this is it. You know, obviously if they're sign, my opinion is, Hey, a deer has been here. Why wouldn't he come back again? You know, why wouldn't he? Unless somebody shot at him or spooked him out of there, but you can't assume that. So if I'm willing to sacrifice a morning to try it, then I don't have to go in with a, oh, this is it. This is it. You know, 
attitude. I have to find something that I think, okay, this is good enough to try. Um, if I don't like my sit, if I don't see anything with four legs at all, I probably may give it one more shot, maybe, or I'm out of there. So do you, like, let's say you walk in, you see a couple rubs, you see a nice trail, you see a few beds and you see some crap. Is that enough for you to go, okay, I'll sit right here. I'll try it. Yeah, absolutely. If I see like any sign, like any sign at all, I say, oh, this there ain't cattle out there, you know. So this is uh this <laughs> Ron is Jeremy's, trail. but this is a deer it. trail. It's I don't think it's a hog trail. Um, so I'll set up on it and, and give it a shot. But well, like I said, some stuff's to, gonna change this year. To be fair, apart from the like places that have a lot of rubs in one little spot, the sign is not like just like kicking. That's what I was about to say. Go ahead. What were you gonna say? Oh no, like sign just just what you were sign sign isn't it's really hard to see because after hunting Kansas and then like down there, there's no like defined trails because, uh, half of it's rocks, dude. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. Like if, if you've been around any livestock, you know, that had like around any timber, if it, whether it be horses or, or cattle, they'll literally make a cattle trail, you know, through, through some of the timber. And like, that's, that's what they walk. It's in like, if you're a human walking on it, it's easy to see. That's why they call it literally a cattle trail. Like, Oh, that looks like cattle trail. Um, down there there's no trails like that they i don't think they they literally walk the same place twice or at least it seems like i've never seen a buck do that i've seen does maybe walk the same area but i don't think they're following any any certain trails i think to know like for sure oh hey deer's been there you just see some old old droppings or something like okay a deer's walked here unless it's like that that three or four year old clear cut where it's like super tall grass and it's really knocked down. That's about the only time you can tell. Carol, what about food availability? Does that play a, a role? Like obviously there's native grass and browse there, but like if you find a good acorn stand, does that make you want to sit? Or are you more mainly just like, Hey, I'm going to look at sign. I'm just going to look at sign. I mean, I'm not, honestly, I'm not smart enough to identify trees and say, Oh, this, you know, they might come eat here, but. I mainly hunt over sign. And my goal too is when I find sign, you know, I don't have to hunt on that trail. My sit, you know, my philosophy is I just have to get within 40 yards of the deer. You know, that's my comfortability shot of, Hey, I will shoot if he's within 40 yards, anything over 40 yards. It's just, it's just dependent. But my goal is big. Yeah. It has to be a giant (laughs) for, for me to be uncomfortably uh, shooting that far. But my goal is where can I get that? If he does come back through here, I'm within 40 yards. Yeah, and that doesn't have to be perfect. There's like, there's, I, I, I really believe there's several trees that you can kill a deer out of. I don't think it's like that's the one tree. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's what I have a hard time with because I mean, just like Carol says, like, like you want it within forty yards. I would think that that's pretty average for, you know, most people. But that's that's what gets me is like, especially if you have a whole bunch of pine trees. Every tree's the same. You can crawl up and dang near any every one tree's of them. a hunter. But that's the thing. It's like. Do I pick this one? And then I then my mind gets to thinking, okay, what if he walks, you know, just 15 or 20 yards out of range for me right here when I could have picked this one and been in the chips? Does that make sense? Like, that's just what I think of. I think about that all the time, especially when you have a ridge, because I used to hunt a lot of, you know, I, I hunt a lot of ridges of which side do I need to set on? Cause yeah, this, yeah, this the is, sides are horrible. It, which side? And I just have to pick like, well. If he doesn't walk down this side, I just don't get a shot, you know, and I'm like, Hey, I can't learn. sit in the middle. I can't sit in the middle no. because it's still going to be, it's, 
it's too far of a shot. It's to pick your poison, which, which side of the ridge. Well, you set in the middle, you're kind of, I, I mean, if you are able to shoot across, it's like at that point, you're not getting, you know, there's not a 50% chance you get a great shot and then, or no shot. It's like, it's a 50% on either way it goes, either way it comes from. Does that make sense? You're just, yeah, you're, I, you're doing I, crappy I on both sides. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I would, I would rather take my gamble to get a, Hey, He's he's gonna walk close to this ridge. He's gonna walk close to it. Which side he's gonna walk down? So Jake, for you, when you're walking in on a place you have not hunted before, maybe you've seen the place, but what makes you when what makes you feel I'm in the chips, and what makes you stop and say I'm not gonna go any further? This is it. Um, the number one thing overall, and I feel like you're gonna say this too, is uh, if you bump a deer, that's like okay, I need to hold up and. You know, depending if you can see, if you walk in for an evening sit, you see it's a buck or something, you dang sure shame up a tree super quick because it might come back around or or whatnot. But if it's a morning sit and you really don't know what it is and you think it was a doe, it's like, okay, I might be able to venture. Just push a little bit further kind of where she ran to if that's kind of the direction you're heading and then set up shop there. You don't have to set up exactly where you where you bumped it, but maybe, you know, an extra 20, 30 yards more. That's, that's the best sign. I do. Yeah. Bumping a deer is the best sign. I know Billy Bob Joe 69 on TikTok told us that that's stupid and you should never bump a deer to go hunt on public land, but that's what you're looking for. <laughs> that's, I'm trying to hunt a deer. So yeah. seeing one gives me a pretty good, but no, go on. What else are you going to say? Uh, I mean, other than that, like, you know, I know a lot of people want to hear like the magic words. Oh, as soon as you see X amount of rubs in a, in a spot, that's, that's when and you know scrape. it's really, Yeah. But that's really, it's all dependent, right? Because I know in Kansas, I walked past. When I went and hunted that bean field on the other side of the that water source, um, I literally walked past, I think, no lie, 15 scrapes on the ground up this trail. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm coming here because if the deer that's in here, more than likely they're going to they're go eat beans out there. It's just all situational. And then, you know, if that would have been a big timber setting, if I'd have seen that many scrapes, it's like, okay, yeah, this deserves at least a sit just to give it, you know, to do my due diligence and just check it out see what comes through. But other than that, like, I mean, it's all just trial and error. Like, I think a lot of it has to do with like gut feeling at the moment. Like, what are you, what are you feeling? Cause I mean, you be a hunter, like, stats and you know analytics help like when trying to figure out stuff but that's what you're out there to do like if if you have a gut feeling this will work it might be the stupidest idea but if it works you're a freaking genius you know what i mean so that's what i think it is i mean it's instinctual we've been doing it for a very long time so you might as well just listen to your gut most of the time so if you think you need to set up over this rub set up over the rub and try it out i mean yeah time might be of the essence if you're going away you know, if you're away from home by hunting, but I mean, it ain't really going to hurt anything. You know, if you think, you know, you see a rub or a scrape or, you know, you bump a deer set up and waste the morning on it, waste a couple hours in the morning, you know, the prime time, and then get up and set from 10 to noon at another spot, just to check it out and then go back, eat lunch and then pick, pick your poison, whichever one you want to sit at. Mm-hmm. I think the feeling thing is a big, is a, a big deal. And I think it's one that's hard to describe. It's almost like, could I see it happening here? And if I can't see it in my mind happening here, like, Ooh, I could see one trickling down there. Then I don't have confidence in the spot. And I'm already wanting to like, when I get down and I don't see something for a few hours, I'm like, I want to get down and try something else. 
Mm-hmm. I knew I didn't have confidence in this spot. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't even have tried it. But, and it so also, the, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to ask you. So like to, before you get into the, to the, the beans on this, what's, what's your stopping point? What, what makes you want to shimmy up that tree? It's like a three, me, it's a three strike rule. Like if it, it's a, it's a, a few things stacking together. Like if I walk in, I see a rub. I'm like, okay, sweet. That's awesome. If I keep walking, I see a scrape. I'm like, all right, warmer, <laughs> you know, then if I walk in, see a scrape and then maybe a, a few beds and poop, I'm like, ding, 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 ding. You know, it's just those, it's a combination of those three things together. Cause you can walk in and find a bed anywhere and you, you, you can sit over that bed and not see anything, or you can walk in and see a rub instead over it or walk in and see a scrape to me it's when i see one two three four of those things together and i like the kind of the general area that i'm in and i can see it happening it's a it's a i think it's a balance of what you were saying like the data of like okay i see what my eyes see and then but how do i feel about mm-hmm. that and then it's like if you've hunted in an area many times before if you see an area that looks like a place that you killed a buck in the past like, okay, this spot kind of looks like when, where we killed that buck back here or saw that buck using this, you know, like for instance, the Booner spot and then the area that we're going to hunt for a different deer this year. I'm like, this looks kind of similar, you know, in a lot of ways, like the creeks and all that stuff. I'm not going to get too deep into that, but you know what I mean? Well, the way you, you're kind of describing it, it's almost like you need to like assure your assurance. Does that make sense? So if you see that sign, whether that be a rub you know, you walk a little for a little further and you need that, that, you know, to assure your assurance, you know, where you see that scrape too. It's okay. Now I know for sure, you know, that wasn't just a random rub because they're, you know, obviously they're, they're scraping here's and then whether you jump a deer, it's like, okay, that's, it's almost like a, like a building effect for you then. Right. Yeah, it, it absolutely is a building effect and it's a feel thing. And I am, but I'm, when that happens, I'm really decisive on like, okay, there is definitely too much. There is too many steps, you know, like, cause what'll happen is you'll find sign, 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 sign. And then if you go far enough, you find the deer and you're like, oh, frick too far. You know, that's, that's kind of how I think about it. Like I've found sign, 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 and I go a little too far and I find the deer, whether that's a buck or whatever. I'm like, okay, I should have just set up on that last point where I was like, I'm good. Cause you can't get on top of them. You're not going to get 25 foot up in a tree, you know, <laughs> 50 yards from them. And they're going to walk by. It's just maybe I'm maybe Dan and fault. Well, but I won't, that's just, that's just how I do it. It's a lot of feel. It's a lot of just experience. When I first started to go doing it on public, it was like, dude, I didn't know my head from my butt. I'd be like, can I hang in that Oak? Do we have extra straps? Can I get around it? Like, no, that's how, that's how it went. I'm trying to think. So once you find that, like what, granted, this might be a stupid question because it's so like situational, but what makes you want to pick one tree over the next? Cause I, cause, cause I think that's good to talk about. Cause me, I always have that grass is greener, like a uh, mentality where kind of like what we talked about a second ago, Carol, where, you know, you could want to set in this stand, but then, you know, if you go that 20 extra yards, maybe that's a little bit closer to, to, to the ridge. But then again, if you're on a hill, if let's say you're on a hill and you want, you want to set in this tree, but then if there's a tree just a little bit, probably 20 yards down this Ridge, you might be able to poke a shot if they go to walk the bottom of the other side. But at the same time, you, you know, if they come on this trail where you think they're going to be walking, you might be eye level, 
you know, if you're 20 feet up in the tree, you might be eye level with those deer. Kind of like that, that one situation where me and you hunted on the last day. It's a card game. Are you talking? Yes. Carl, oh, talking to you. I didn't know if you're talking Come on, to prison, Pate. <laughs> <Pay attention. laughs> prison Pate. Is that what they're calling me now? Damn. <laughs> yeah. You have to repeat that whole thing. Peyton was in prison. He was like, I'm "Yeah, yeah." He was. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were talking to Christian. This is prison, Mike. Talking to Christian, but yeah. So to add on to that, what I when I go in the mornings because I'm I have a really bad habit when I get into the morning. I'll set I, I set my stuff down at the base of the tree. Where I'm like, all right, this is the one. But I'm gonna walk ten yards this way to this tree to see. And you probably shouldn't do that. Probably shouldn't do that. But I'm like. I have my stuff here. This is probably where I'm going to set up and stuff changes when the sun comes up a lot too, where you're like, I didn't know it looked like this. I didn't Usually know that for this the was, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's it seems like I'm like, this was not a very good looking spot when the same, when, you know, when the sun comes up, you get turned around and stuff like that. So yeah, but I do you just guys really do that. You guys set your stuff down and walk around. I don't do that. Not not very far. I won't okay. I won't like send it up very far or anything. That's like, that. like my I will pet go check peeve out another. Is is like and that's what screws with my mind so much. Uh what what you just talked about. If if I even go ten yards further, it's like I cannot go back to, to the tree I was just at. I don't I don't I've care if I can it. shoot I further. Yeah. Yeah. It's like if if for some reason, let's say a doe, because this is what I think about it, because usually when you want to access in a perfect world, you want to access with the wind blowing towards your face on where you want to go. That's, I mean, if for people that don't know, that's because, you know, if uh, the deer's downwind of you, they're going to smell you anyways. And so it doesn't matter if they, if they cut your trail where you walked and then smell you there because they're going to be smelling you from the wind anyway. So with that being said, like if you, if you set all your stuff down and you go to, you know, Oh, what's this look like up here? Let's say you get in that situation where that you walk 30 yards up and then it's like, okay, that tree's better. It has more shooting lanes or whatever. Well, typically, if a deer to, to cut your track like that is probably going to be pretty pretty rare, especially down there. But I always think about this scenario: what if the deer you don't want to shoot comes in first, being a doe? Let's say it's November and a doe comes running through there, and the buck's chasing. Well, is the buck going to mind that he cut your track? Probably not, depending on how hot the doe is. But the doe might, and that might ruin your hunt before it even gets the good part and that's what i think of is like i'm not going to screw up by 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 walking and if i do i'm not going back to that tree i i totally understand that i guess i i always think of it in terms of like okay i can shoot 10 more yards but if i walk 10 more yards i'm going to change the complete scenario that i'm in so if i find like a good example is I don't think there's one tree to kill a deer in most cases, and especially in the mountains. Booner tree. That's different. <laughs> I picked that sucker in the dark. I told you that was the tree. It, it was she's she was really a bear though. That's that was not probably not the best tree, but it worked out. It was um, the best tree. So when I think about it, like in the community center, for example, in 2021, I shot that eight pointer out of a tree that was 40 yards. Uh, that was, so I shot a buck out of the, the tree and then the next year I moved 40 yards to where the buck had walked. Like I, I went to the tree that he exactly like walked underneath and then I hunted that tree in 2021 and shot a buck 20 yards from that tree in another direction. 
And what I realized through kind of jumping around in there and finding different trees is like, just like you said, those bucks and does and the deer in those mountainous habitats don't take the same trail every time. So I'm probably not going to pick the right one for the day. And so you really have to pick one. And if you see deer do it good one time, kind of stick with it in, in, in one way. Cause another example is like when me and Justin hunted in the community center, we hunted my tree where I shot my buck in 2021. Well, three bucks came dogging one doe 80 yards away. And we were like, dang, if we would have been over there, that happens again. We're going to go, it's going to work. We move over there. And then 150 yards where we were the other direction, a buck comes by dog and a doe that, uh, that way. And we're just like, dude, we can't win like picking a tree. So to me, picking a tree that you can shoot a 50 yard radius around, like kind of like you're saying that gives you good options in multiple directions kind of gives me comfort. But the issue with down there is if you, as long as you're not hunting on a super hard edge, you're going to have shot opportunities in multiple directions typically. And Mm -hmm. so I just try to make it good enough. If I'm within 20 yards of what I think is another good tree, I'm typically not going to push it just because I think getting up in the tree not walking around, not shining every tree with a headlamp, I think does more good for you than being in the perfect tree, in my opinion. Also, saddle hunting makes it a little easier, too, when you can kind of rotate around and shoot all over the place. That's just my general thoughts on picking a tree. Other people may not feel that way. Well, I'd kind of agree with that. It seems like the more we hunt down there, it seems like you kind of, if you know you're in the right area, after you know you're in the right area and like when I mean the right area, I mean like the right, let's say hundred yard radius, I would say, I think you just got to put in your time. Kind of like what, you know, the hunt and change, hunt and change, hunt and change. Yeah. Well, no, it's, uh, not even that. Like, like I'm talking about the example you gave with Justin, where you seen three bucks dog in that one doe, you moved over there 80 yards and Mm -hmm. then, you know, 150 yards back the way you came, there was another buck and, I think in that situation, like, you know, you're in the right area, obviously now it's just, I think in my mind that that's when you need to say, okay, we just need to stick with like pick a tree, stick with it and be consistent and put in our time. And then hopefully Lord willing want to walk by. And there's scenarios though, that like do deer do do to do do deer do deer do do do. Yeah. Deer do something consistent. (laughs) And what happens is you can make a move. And you don't want to sit back and watch that happen four or five times if they come down a hard edge the same general area at the same time. And it's that's what I'm saying. That's what we're saying, though, with the hanging hunt is it's so situational because there are situations where you come in and you hunt and you're like, OK, I just need to be 80 yards more. That's how I found the community center is I hunted in there and I saw deer 80 yards in and I hunted 80 yards more in. And then I went in and saw him another 100 yards in and I kept hunting my way into this spot. And eventually I got really in the spot that I wanted to be in. And I think there's situations just like that <laughs> where you can hunt your way in too, but you're not going to scout your way in because you're not seeing deer when you're scouting, you're going to hunt your way in. And that's how well, you figure it out. Bobby Worthington, uh, said something that, that really caught my attention here a while back when I was listening to another guy's podcast, he said one time is like an accident. I, it's not correct wording, but y- you'll understand one time's an accident, two times is like chance, three times is like a pattern, and then four times it's a habit. Mm-hmm. Or however he words it, but you get what I'm saying. And uh, 
So kind of like what you're saying there, like, yeah, if you see a deer do one, like something one time, probably wouldn't hurt to move and just, you know, try it, especially on public. Cause what are you going to do? Blow them out, just move to a different spot. But especially if you see it twice or you, or you, maybe you hear it this time. I'll get into that story in a second. If it does something, you know, twice, it's like, okay, then you should probably move. At least that, that's just the way it is for me. Cause in 2020, whenever we were trying to find the boon and where we started from the OG road and then kept trying to work our way back on the Creek. And then on the right side of the Creek, we set, or, uh, I set up opening weekend. I think you had a wedding or something. I set up opening weekend over there and every day I seen a doe and a spike, but I kept hearing blowing, even though the wind wasn't blowing anywhere near there on the left side of the Creek. And after two or three sits of on the right side of the Creek, I was like, I'm done seeing the same spike and the doe because it was just every single every every evening. And then so the following week when you came down there, that's when we went across the creek. Mm-hmm. And then but it was the consistent of hearing instead of you don't always have to see. It just and went like, over there and shot a deer the first time we sat in that tree. <laughs> yeah, literally, <laughs> literally just by being like, OK, they're over there. And they were they 100 percent were. And that's honestly a good, I, I guess that's a good segue as we're going to get of knowing when to leave deer to find deer. You want to, that's a hard one. You want to take that over? Yeah. That last year, that's, it's so situational in a, in a feeling to me too. Like I had a last year in a spot on public where I saw like double digit deer, but I was seeing dinks and does and stuff like that. And I hunted that spot for three or four days and shot a doe. And I felt like if I move, I'm giving myself to see a different, I'm giving myself a chance to see a different area where there might be a buck, but I know kind of what's going on right now in here. We were in that situation where we're in early November and we weren't seeing deer uh, running real hard yet. Like the activity was kind of ramping up, but the bucks weren't chasing or anything. And I'm first said I moved to a spot that was not nearly as good in my mind, had a 130 inch buck walk right underneath me and win me. And I was like, okay, that's a good, that was a good situation of leaving deer this? to find deer. Uh, that was in, where or was it? Went, Minnesota? Yeah. What'd you say? What year are you talking about? This last year. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I, I thought you said, where was this? Well, I did, but I was trying to say, when was this? Cause I okay. knew where. No, understood. Yeah. I, I typically wouldn't recommend people leaving deer to find deer, but if you're hunting anywhere apart, if you're seeing deer during the rut, that's a little bit different, but if I'm in a spot where I see does consistently and I'm just not seeing bucks, I have no problem moving. Carol, do you mind, do you mind moving if you're seeing deer or you leave in that tree stand? I give it a few days, but here's, here's what Guffin newly told me. It's deer kind of like, you know, doe or, or, or women. And you got to think of it like it's a, it's a college party, a bunch of women at this party. Eventually some guys are going to hear about it and show up to this party. Right. So around the rut, around the rut. Yeah. I probably won't leave deer to go find deer, but if it's, you know, before the rut, then I probably will. If I sit there, you know, three or four times and only see doe, yeah, I'll end up moving. Will you leave deer to find deer, Jake? Depends. (laughs) I hate, yeah, I hate that because it is. Jake, you're, you're Jake. I know that you stay, you, you are very, I like being consistent. I like being consistent. If if I know there's deer, because here's the thing, here's the thing, at least down there, what I've, what I've come to find out is if you're no, if you know you're in a good spot, then like stick there because we know that the deer density down there, like 
when you go down there for rutcation, you know, you know, going in, you're not going to see very many deer. Talking about the mountains. Yes. And so when you do see deer, it's like, okay, hey, I'm in the chips, whether that be a few doe or something. And kind of like Carol says, you know, we don't know when they're going to go hot, but you know, if, if they, if they are hot, I know I have dough. Like that's what bucks are looking for. Come rut is dough. And Hey, I found dough. I got one piece of the puzzle. Now I just need to connect the two. But on another hand, it's like, if you, if you really know the piece and you know, the area where, you know, you know, deer should be rutting and you're not seeing that, then that's probably when you need to move. Because if, if Carol's and you are seeing, you know, uh good movement and you're really not that's when you know you you you, or at least for me that's when i kind of figure out hey i need to move but if no one's really seeing anything and and even though i'm not seeing the best movement but i'm still seeing movement i'm staying and i'm going to put in my time and we have that and we have that conversation you know because we go with uh my brother and their group and a few other people that we know and it's not like we're saying hey did you see anything you know like can we come hunt with you it's more of a did you did you see anything with four legs move because if you didn't i'm going to stay but if you guys are seeing anything at all i need to move you don't have to tell me what it is how big if it's a buck or a doe you don't have to tell me but did you see a deer you know are they on their feet are are they moving because i need to move you know if you're if you're seeing them i need to move if not then I'm going to give it another set. Mm-hmm. So let me, let me ask you guys this. If you could only have one of these, you can only pick one of these in picking a spot to hang and hunt. You can, you can either have topography, you can have food, you can have really good access, or you can have an amazing sign, but you can only pick one and you have to pick a spot based on that criteria. Which one of these are you going to pick? Uh, I'm going to put, I'm going to put down, down where we hunt on public. I'd say topography. Because the wind swirls, I know, I know, Bo Martonic just now made up a new, a new term, the thermal hurricane or whatever the hell it is. Yeah, that's but right. Yeah. The wind swirls a lot. Oh, it's tsunami, uh, tsunami. That's what it was. Tsunami. Yeah, tsunami. just yeah, Google it. But uh, I just want to touch base. I'm not knocking on Bo, but I hate when people try to make new creative names for crap when it can be specified in <laughs> when two words. We call it the yeah, same thing for a day. The wind swirls. Years. Yeah. <laughs> and so basically if yeah the wind swirls and so you really can't base your hunt off the wind down there and so food it's like i ain't the best i'm like i can tell there's between a pine and an oak obviously but whether that's a a white oak or a burr oak or what time of year they drop no clue there's acorns on the ground like yeah I'll, i'll keep it in the back of my mind uh, but other than that like i don't really pay a whole lot of attention to food because there's typically a lot of oaks down there you just got to find, I guess, when they're dropping. But so long story short, I'm going with topography and that's going to be water. And that's going to be one of those fingers that come off that. That's, that's what I'll, I'll take any time over anything else. Just a path that you think a deer should walk at some point. Yep. Yes. Carol, what do you got? What would you pick? It's between topography and, and sign sign is, Hey, they were here. They were active when they were here. Um, I don't think that they were just passing through. They were actively coming through here, but topography you can use, you know, like sign, you can hunt over it, but topography, you can use it to benefit you or that might hurt you. Um, you know, like the fingers and, and the stuff that we hunt, you, you got to hunt in them because you can't hunt out in an open field, you know, so you can use the topography for you and you can well, cut, you-, you can also use it to cut, you know, cut deer off as well. So 
that's the thing. It's it's literally the only thing that's not monotonous is topography. Now, now, granted, the there could difference. be, yeah, yeah. The, I, I mean, because there's food everywhere, there's bedding everywhere. I mean, you're going to be able to access anywhere. But the thing is, it's like that's the only thing that's going to be different in the more mountainous parts is like the topography and meaning water, a creek system, and then you know where there's water, there's going to be a more diverse uh, vegetation source it, or you get what I'm trying to say. And so with that being said, like that's, that's why water Creek systems are the key because it, there's more diversity going on in that little spot. And as we know, deer are creatures of edge habitat. There's possibly going to be more edges in that, you know, whether that be where it meets an Oak flat or just, you get what I'm saying. That's the only non monotonous thing about the whole general area. Yeah, I think in in the mountains, I would probably agree with you guys. That's how I learned to hunt, hunt was based on topography. It's the only thing that you can really surefire bet on. Like, uh, granted, I I didn't we didn't grow up with Onyx either, so it's like <laughs> I can see a ridge, so start walking down that, you know, that sort of thing. So in the mountains, I would say topography. If we were in uh, like a Midwest state, if we were in Kansas, I, I would probably probably change that to either food or sign because and it depends on the time of year because before october and september in kansas i'm going food and then during you know october i'm gonna go sign yeah, and then absolutely it changes all the time but it's interesting how in different habitats different one of those kind of become priority so yeah. so this is something i think i think we need to touch on a little bit because there might i mean if you're if you've been through the ringer on public land a couple of times you probably know that this answer but for the people just starting to get into it i want to ask you this question for their sake let's say there's a primo spot where it looks juicy let's say they even hung trail cameras back there and you know nothing like obviously no megas like 180 190 but let's say there's there's some good solid bucks back there nothing to, to make you want to do anything stupid and power through any like that type of adversity. Um, let's say it's looks great on the map, looks great on the boots on the ground scouting, but there's, there's human pressure back there. There's a little bit more human sign than, than you, than you would like. Are you going to try to stick out a 10 out of 10 spot, but have, you know, human pressure in there where you're kind of competing or would you rather have a, six out of 10 spot where you don't have any human pressure. Human pressure turns a 10 out of 10 into a two out of 10 mm-hmm. at any, any time. Like you can have, dude, there could be five one eighties in a 10 acre section. And the second that a guy walks in on the ground and does a loop a couple times, they no longer live there. That's not how that works. They don't get 180 this being like that. This is my temporary home. <laughs> yeah. I would rather hunt a, a, the 3 out of 10 that I had to myself than a 10 out of 10 with other people. Just be, And I think that's one of the reasons people do not hunt publicly. And I don't want to deal with this person. Yet. It's an interesting challenge. But yes, I agree. With, like I would want to hunt near people because deer don't like being near people. And deer don't like dying. These things are experts at surviving. So. Yeah, I mean, does that mean if I walk in, I see one boot track that I turn around? No, mm-hmm. but, you know. If you get walked up on a time or two while you're back there hunting, it's not going to be very fun. I yeah. think that's when you know. And I've watched, uh, I've had people walk in and, you know, you know, a flannel and sniff acorns and I've shoot them off and still oh, saw nut deer. Sniffer. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's a good name. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. But okay, I want to finish with this. I want to round it out with this. What is your each one of you, what is your favorite hang and hunt that you've ever done on public land? Doesn't have to be your biggest buck on public, but Carol, what what's yours? Doesn't have to be you killing one, but it can be. My favorite. Uh, I was I've literally been thinking about this one the entire podcast. It was the day that Jake shot the booner. I just was like, I'm just walking. I'm just walking until I can't walk anymore and I'm screwed coming out because I'm walking in downhill. So coming out, I'm pretty screwed walking out uphill. But I walked in um, and I saw I saw some big body deer at the very end of daylight. And I was like, wow, I felt so accomplished was like this, this work. This was a lot of work to get back here. I was new to the climber. You know, that was the first year. It sucked but it was also my favorite, I think. And then also the one in Kansas, when I ended up getting the deer, that was, <laughs> that was just the sweetest taste ever of two weeks of hunting public land and just saying, okay, changing everything I know, changing everything I do. I'm walking in this line until I find sign hunting over it. And then it worked. That one was probably the most uh, joyful hunt. It's pretty awesome when you can look at a spot and be like, I'll try it. And then you walk and you see deer, you're like, I'm the man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, I call, I'm calling guys. I, I know how to hunt. I, if you need help you guys need a spot i can pick you yeah (laughs) yeah i know what i'm doing dude there's nothing better than walking in seeing deer and be like could have killed him or shooting (laughs) one it's the best there's nothing that's what people on private that only hunt private will never understand like seeing a spot being like i'll try it walking in and shooting a deer you're like that was awesome Makes you feel like you know a thing or two, and then you get humbled the next 14 hunts in a row. <laughs> yeah, um, that's what I was about to say. The whole next year, you don't kill anything, and you're like, yeah. I understand God. What's yeah. your first first hunt on public last year? You know, I saw that one. I was like, oh, man, it's first day. I'm not shooting them. And then it went. Wonk. Bet you shoot a 120 game. next time, huh? Well, let me tell you, Carol. Wait, are you talking about uh, last year where you passed that one or or the first yeah. time where, where you hit the cam? Some, no, last uh, year when I passed the one. Oh, okay. Okay, never mind. Never mind. Christy, what was your favorite? My favorite. So my favorite buck I've ever shot is the is the eight point that I shot on public in 2021. He's just a mainframe eight pointer, but he's got like an eight and a half inch eye guard on one side. It's basically a huge meaty hook that comes out and then just a little dink uh eye guard on the other side. But I shot a we had a really, really good 24 hours one time. You shot your booner, and then I went in and shot a doe that same night, which was awesome because you always kind of hand off your arrows as like a confirmation of like, hey, I shot something. Well, I had an arrow sitting in your seat when you opened the door, and you're like, you're like, did you shoot a buck? I was like, no, I shot a doe. You, then you showed me your buck. I was like, oh, that's freaking awesome. We dragged your buck out. Didn't hunt the next morning because we were literally exhausted. Went in the next evening, and within 24 hours, I shot another buck on public so it shot a 162 and a 131 in 24 hours on public and i shot that buck at 42 yards double lunged him he ran 40 i heard him coughing fell over and i had had a pretty tough year up until that point like i had shot a couple bucks and hadn't found them that was a very rough year for me and just shooting one on public land hanging hunt um shooting multiple bucks in a week and multiple deer there was nothing like that that was that was just incredible. Still one of my favorite 
deer. Probably my favorite buck I've ever shot. Not the biggest I've ever shot, but definitely my favorite. That was my favorite mm-hmm. hanging hunk. Man, hanging hunt where I didn't know what I was getting into, I think was last year in Kansas on that bean field on the other side of that lake. Because A, it was an adventure for me because I was like, walking back here, I could just be shooting myself in the foot because I might not be able to like make it across this runoff of the lake. And then also if I get to here, what is like, it, it was a long walk. And I was like, if I get here, I don't know if it's actually going to pan out. And part of it, that's the fun part. Yeah, it is. And then when I got back there and I was like, I'm in literally where I'm at, unless someone comes off of private to, to like access this public, I am by myself. I have an, my own private bean field right here. Are you it talking like spot and private? Are you talking no, like uh, spot? Not, not the one forty <clears throat> spot where I blew out that that buck. Yeah, I'm the one about the one deer that Peyton's buck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd have shot him and I'd have got him if I was back there. <laughs> yeah, well, you probably would have, but uh, yeah, walk back there, beautiful bean field, and it was September in Kansas, and shimmy up a tree, and I'm like 15 yards tucked back into this, and I can just oversee a bean field, and I'm like anything that steps out. I can at least watch it and then make, make a move there. And my very first sit, I I have just a crap ton of deer funneling out. I probably have 20 deer in, in a field within probably 80 yards of me, uh, probably 150 actually. And uh, I mean, there's probably like seven or eight does. And then there's a couple little dinks and then just, I don't know, 45 minutes before dark. And here that's saying something 45 minutes before dark and it being in September when it's freaking 90 degrees. And I'm seeing all this movement and I see 120, 125 inch buck come strolling out. And at the time, you know, I'm going to shoot him. Long story short, I decided to pass him. That was a mistake. And then two days later, I go back in there intending on shoot him. Intending, wait, no, I was going to shoot him the first time. You did not want to shoot him the second. Yeah. Right. And I didn't want to shoot him the, fir- the, the second. Yeah. Because the first time I didn't get a shot. The second time I did. But I decided to pass them because I was like, I didn't come here to Kansas for 120 incher. I will next year. But uh, yeah, long story short, like that's just it. Uh, that was probably my favorite because went back there, didn't know what I was getting into, ended up seeing freaking 20, 30 deer. That's it, and I was like, this is awesome. I'm yeah, doing the thing. And there's a lot of more stories like that to be had, not only by us but folks that are considering doing hanging hunt on public land, like if you don't have a good buck on private or you don't have private at all, or you're just a solo dude that wants to go hunt, there's experiences to be had. And we've had a lot of them on public too and hang and hunt, which is, uh, which is pretty fun. But I think that pretty much wraps that one up. That was, a, that was a fun episode. Go check out out on a limb. Uh, what's the code for that? H N T a 10. Okay. Yep. That's 10% off. Uh, go check out Exodus. I know, by the time this comes out, dude, it's going to be pretty much deer season for most people across the country, but doesn't mean well, you don't need another trail camera or a platform. Well, I just figured, you know, the, the out on a limb would be the best one to shout out on this one because uh, this is all about hunting. Uh, this episode is about, about hunting, and it's just like, hey, the best type of hunting, I will I will be the first to say, and I'm sure you all will, will get in line as well, is like, I didn't realize how much of a game changer hunting out of a saddle on public was because before it was like a climber or hang on. And dude, after you get comfortable with the saddle, Oh yeah. You're like trying to like safety tie both the top and the bottom together. So it won't like clink. And then all of a sudden 
it like comes off a little bit and it makes it makes you look down the whole time because it's sitting on top of your bag as well. Yeah, you can spend the money and get like an expensive hang on or something, but I would just do the saddle. And if you're and if you're going to get a saddle, you might as well get an out on limb platform because a it helps us out and you get fifteen percent off. Was that it? Ten percent. Okay, ten percent off. Either way, it's American made. Crap ain't cheap. Good yeah, it's cheap, good baby. stuff. It's made in Oklahoma. If that if that helps. Uh, but yeah, it's it's an absolute game changer. It's it's a little bit intimidating because it's like, what's a tether? You know, what's what's a lineman's rope? You know, how do I how do I fasten? You do it once. It's like riding a bike. You learn once and it's and it's done. And that's I'm right. just saying, like, that's the best way to go. And when you're hooked up to a tree, you don't you don't mess around with making sure you're strapped up when you're going up. You're like, wee. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, yeah, go check them out. Uh, we this was episode three of our How to Hunt a uh, Public Land Bucks series. Uh, on the next episode, we're going to be talking about hunting on the ground, something we don't have as much experience with, but uh, something we've done just just a little bit. So we got a few stories, a few stories. So if you guys enjoyed the episode, make sure to leave us a rating or review on wherever you're listening, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, wherever. And if you're listening on YouTube, make sure to subscribe. We're almost at a thousand subs on the uh, podcast channel. So with that, uh, we will catch you guys in the next one. Jesus loves you. Bye. Thank you guys so much for checking out the Hunter's Advantage podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you in the next episode.